Dear Lord, we just want to thank you for today. Thank you for another opportunity to learn and grow um, and hear your word and what it means to focus on you, to set our goals um, at a standard that is not our own, but the goals that you have put before us, Lord. Help us do that here today. In name we pray. Amen. Alright, so we're on day three. We're finally getting into some application here. Uh, yesterday was very overwhelming. Yesterday was very fun to watch y'all squirm and try not to touch your cell phones um, while I was talking about how um, touching uh, your cell phones is a bad idea when you're trying to alleviate boredom. Um, but, you know, I'm going to say if you got to pull out your cell phone and you're bored, it's okay. Like, it's really okay. Um, Hopefully I'll gain your attention uh, today with some application stuff. What do we do about all this? All the stuff that I've presented before you, the stuff that we looked at Scripture, all the statistics that I threw out yesterday, what do we do with all this? This is really important for us. So we're going to start with our distraction exercise. Um, I'm going to play a video. There's not going to be any sound. And I want you to watch it, and it's probably something you've seen before. If not, you'll kind of get the gist of it. Um, and just pay attention to it, and we'll talk about what you noticed was different. Who, who's seen that before? All right, what, what did y'all notice? Yeah. It's a lot different without sound. How so? Like, it looks like a paid assassin, not it's a weird paid assassin. It's very obvious. Yeah. What else did y'all notice? Anything that you saw that you've never seen before, if, for those that have seen it? The people in the background? The what? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, Chris. I didn't know that the wife had so many other costumes. <laughs> yeah, he has a lot of costumes. Yeah. Oh, on the the thing that he has, conserve, punish, kill. Yeah. Yeah. One, somebody in the last class didn't notice that uh, the receptionist changes every year. Uh, one thing I never noticed was the eyeball on his forehead. I thought that was. Um, once I saw it, I was like, that is so distracting. Um, but I thought um, it was a very good clip. A lot of people have watched The Office before. Uh, and so when you take away one of your senses, uh, something that you're trying to give your attention, and you take away one of the senses of which you're trying to observe something, you become aware in a different way. Uh, so you start to notice things you've never noticed before. It also takes away um, the good writing of something. So the office is very well written, um, but it's so well written that you don't always need the, the sound to know what's going on. Um, even if you've never seen it before, you can tell, like, this is not normal. That's not a normal thing for people to do. Dwight Schrute is a crazy person. Um, but you do miss out. Like, you wonder what are they saying when they're sitting and being filmed um, and when you're just watching the people being filmed and talking, you're like, that looks pretty boring. Um, but it changes. It changes when you change um, how you focus on something. That's what I wanted to get you all to look at. So let's watch another uh, video. This one's completely unrelated um, to help us dive into how we're heading forward with this. Okay, here is a scenario. Walk to a room where you know no one. But somewhere you have to be, and somewhere you want to be. 
What is the first thing that runs through your mind when you enter into that room? Maybe regret. For a lot of people, they're thinking about making a good impression. One of the deepest desires is to be, well, desired, which relies all too often on our first impression with people. So that room you just walked into, you may be thinking about what kind of impression you make on the room and those people. Dig deep into your brain and think about the last time this had an effect on you. Someone could have left the room you were in and you did not have a good impression on them. Maybe you left the room and it felt like you left a bad impression. Nonetheless, there is a lot of pressure when first impressions matter. How many of those people that left bad impressions on you left making you want to spend more time with them? Even if you were still wanting to spend time with them, the majority of times that we want to spend time with someone that left a bad impression is not in the majority. What we try to do in order to make a good impression is we conform to the people around us. We often are willing to put aside our true self in order to fit in with the majority. We do this sometimes knowingly and unknowingly. God's people were obsessed with making a good impression on their neighbors that surrounded them, which led them to think and act like their neighbors, instead of acting and thinking like the way God intended them to be. God's people were not called to make a good impression on their neighbors by fitting in and conforming to the culture around them. God calls his people to actually stand out. Why would God want his people to not fit in? That sounds like a recipe for hardship. Part of God's promise to his people was that he would deliver them into a land, a land that was their own, a land that was filled with milk and honey. What we often miss is that piece of the land that he was bringing them to was at the center of the ancient world. Why there? Because God's goal for his people was to make an impression on the world. There's no better place to do that than at the crossroads of the world. Everyone had to come across you and your land to go anywhere else. What went wrong was that God's people understood their role to make an impression, but they sought to make an impression to fit in and conform instead of making an impression of God. You see, God wanted them at the center of the world to make an impression of who He is. He wanted His people to reflect and bear His image to the world around them so that more people may know who He is and more people would seek relationship and conformity to their Creator and not to creation. We all struggle with this dilemma. Every single day, we have an opportunity to make an impression by fitting into the world and conforming to the culture where we have an opportunity to make an impression on the world, to reflect God, bear His image, and impress the world with God. The only way to do that is through Christ. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God. Among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing, to one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. All right, our goal is not to be distracted by the ways of the world, but become aware of our call from God and bear His image to the world. 
We are very distracted by those around us. We are very distracted by the way people act and behave, so much so that we begin to conform to them rather than to our Creator. We fall short of who we're supposed to be. But that does not mean we cannot seek a path to limit our distraction from our call to follow Jesus. So here's where we're going to go. We're going to do four things. We're going to think, limit, direct, and reduce. We can continue on um, with a lot of the themes that we've had thus far, but this is how uh, we're going to move through them. We're going to think. We must become aware of what we are doing and the decisions we are making. That sounds kind of dumb. It sounds obvious. It sounds um, like a good thing to do and you should do it. But the reality is most of us don't think through everything that we do. It's, it's a healthy habit that we should start to develop. Intentionality is key to focusing. Know what you're doing before you go and do it. One of the greatest things that you can find uh, about God as you read scripture and as you dive deep into it is that you can see he is the most intentional um, person that has ever lived. Every decision that Jesus made was intentional when he was here on this earth. He was an undistracted human being. He was so in tune with the Father that he stayed directly on the path that was straight and narrow before him. And the reality is, is that we don't stay focused on that because a lot of times when we try to walk the path that God has before us, we make unintentional decisions to deviate from that path. So it's important for us to realize we need to be intentional with our decisions. And one of the books that um, is in the bookstore that I found really fun to read is a, uh, a book called Free to Focus. It's written by a guy who's made lots and lots of money. But he's a Christian man, um, and he does it by actually eliminating a lot of the things and being intentional with every single decision that he makes um, and handing off things to the right people so that they can do their job and he can do his. Um, and he actually says, by me doing less... I can do more. And that's the whole premise of that book. It's kind of fun to read. Um, it's not a Christian book, but it's written by a Christian man. So in order to become intentional about your decisions, you must begin uh, to think before you act. Again, that sounds obvious. Um, but as you can see last night, how many of y'all went to the dance party or the after party? Um, there's a lot of unintentional decisions made in that time. Um, when, the, when the beat is like dropping, you make unintentional decisions, um, as Ryan was talking about yesterday, to the ways in which you move your hips. Um, and I know he told you not to, um, but it was still happening. Um, we just tend to follow suit. Um, and then afterwards, all the running around and jumping in the pools, um, the, how dangerous that could have been. Um, like, let's just go here. And it was so funny for one person to go, we're going this way. And then like 300 people like, yeah, and they just go do it. Like, I don't know where he's going, but I'm following him. Uh, that's how we follow a lot of people in this life. Somebody said something, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to make this decision without thinking about it. Now, last night was just good and fun, and sometimes that's how it works out. But a lot of times when we don't, it can end up poorly. You have to take the time to process previous decisions you have made. Um, I love processing stuff. Uh, I'm an internal processor, and so it's hard for um, external processors to process stuff with me uh, because they want to talk it out, and I just want to sit there and nod my head and be like, I need at least three days to think about this, and then I'll come back to you and give my response. Uh, but know what kind of process you, processor you are. Um, it's helpful to know, like, do I need to talk stuff out? 
Or do I need to sit and think about it? Do I need to take a walk and be alone? Um, Or do I need to sit with my friend who loves to talk and listen with me? And that's important. If we don't process, we never know the repercussions of the decisions that we made previously. And again, uh, Dr. Siegel would say, you know, that is one of the most important things teenagers can learn to do, is to learn to process um, what they have done. Um, And that's why college is so formative, is because you finally have some free time, free time you never had in high school, um, to actually process uh, some decisions you made in high school, like, oh, that was really dumb, or I love what I did then, I want to do more of that. You're moving at such a rate in high school uh, that you don't really have a lot of time to process. So you have to be really intentional about setting aside time. That's why this week is really important. That's why they set aside hours of free time. So you can actually process what's happening. That's why they set aside small groups and you know devotions and even these classes. You may be processing the previous class before this. The one that you just came from. You might be processing that right now and you're not listening to me. And I'm going to say that's okay. That's probably better um, if you need that and you're an internal processor. Now, if you're an external processor and you're trying to externally process during this class, I'm going to say, hold on a minute. Um, We'll wait till we're out of class. We need to become aware of our repercussions. We need to know that every single action that we make affects everything. Who knows what the butterfly effect is? Yeah. It, when, you, when a butterfly flaps its wings, the whole world changes, right? There's a movie on it. I'm not going to say I recommend it. Uh, it's all right. I can't remember if it's really bad or not. Anybody? Ashton Kutcher? Um, yeah, so the, the whole idea is that he can travel um, in space and time, and he'll make a decision to try to affect his future, um, and he realizes every single decision he makes affects it drastically. Um, and that's kind of the whole premise. But know that when you make a decision, it not only affects you, but it affects everybody you're connected to. And th- think about that for a second. That's on a big scale. And that's on a small scale. That's why when somebody decides, like, I want to commit suicide, that is big scale stuff. It doesn't just affect the person. It affects everybody connected to that person. People you did not even think you knew. A person of a person of a person. Um, It affects that person. But even on a small scale, um, when you walk into a room, Everyone that walked into this room changed the dynamic of this room. I think that's awesome. It's it's cool to think about. You have a lot of power. You have a lot of power. Awareness um, creates less risky behavior. Um, When you act risky, um, you're deviating from how you were called to be. We were called to be intentional. We were called to be following the Lord um, in every decision that we make. Um, but when we are not aware, uh, we become risky in our behavior. Uh, we're taking a guess, as I talked about yesterday. We're guessing um, about our decisions, and that would allow us to take the wrong decision. What gains our attention in any given moment, and I said this, is our brain telling us that we believe that that is the most important thing in the world, even for a millisecond. So, 
by you choosing to break your attention on something um, and focusing on something else. You're breaking the intentional decision um, to focus on somebody. So if I'm having a conversation, uh, let's say with Jack up here, and I, I look at Jack and I'm having a conversation with him, and then I look over to my left, I've broken that conversation. And all of a sudden, I've just told Jack that these people are more important than him. And my brain is telling me that. And he might be thinking that, or he'd be like, oh, what are you looking at? And all of a sudden, he's doing what I'm doing. Um, and that that's, needs to become intentional and realize what I just did um, changed um, our relationship. It changed things. Things became um, different. Be rooted in Scripture. Know God's people in Scripture conform to the world just as much as we do. It's important to see God's character in response to these moments. I've said this over and over and over again. Um, so much so that I keep changing what we talk about, uh, what part of Scripture we look at, because it is one of the greatest themes you can find in Scripture, that God's people were very distracted people. Everybody in Scripture, aside from Jesus himself, um, were distracted from God's plan. And that's the whole point. But the other half of it is, is how does God respond to that? And here's another way that we see it in Scripture. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And said to him, Behold, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now, now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. Like all the nations. You know, that's exactly what God didn't want. Um, but God's people decided, hey, we want our own king. We want to be like all the nations that surround us who have kings who rule and reign over them and make decisions for them. We want that. We don't want what you gave us, Lord. We want what they want. Um, But the thing displeased Samuel, and when they said, Give us a king to judge us, and Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, This is how the Lord responds, Obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them, according to all the deeds that they have done from the day that I brought them out up out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So notice like they were constantly... He, said, he says, they don't, Samuel, they've been doing this forever. They have forever been distracted by the ways of the world. They've been forever trying to push back against my plan for them. They've always been distracted. But I've made a choice to love them and I have a plan for them and we need to accomplish that. And sometimes they have asked for this so I will grant this to them but in my terms and in my way and I'll be gracious in this way. Um, So we need to follow suit. We need to learn and reflect and pray. We need to get into Scripture and to know that God is willing to listen to you. If you don't like something, if something is hard for you, it's okay to take that to the Lord. And He may, He may, you know, say, yeah, I think changing in that way would be good for you. Let me help you in that way. But in other ways, he will say, stand firm and stay strong and persevere in the way here and now. It's good to learn and reflect in the way that um, God put before us. He, he gave us his word. He gave, he gave us scripture um, so that we can learn to reflect on it and see him and his people in relationship so that we can have that type of relationship as well. So that um, that is something that... Um, Dr. Williams would say in his book, let me flip over here, where did it go? 
the pattern the patterning of God's faithfulness ways in his, in history is crucial for his people to be able to interpret his ways in the future. They recognize and grasp the significance of a redemptive event by analogy with the pattern. The type creates a pattern of uh, for the antitype. The historical precedent against which the antitype can be understood. If they are familiar with the pattern, the new event occasions in... Okay, that was all really wordy and heady. But this is what he wants you to get. Aha moment. When you read scripture, you can say, Oh, I relate to that. And we've seen this before. Thus we know how to understand its significance. It's important for us to read scripture because we can see ourselves a lot um, in the way that God's people um, and anybody in scripture is like. And we need to say, I relate to that. And God responded to those people. So how is he going to respond to me? Let me take that to the Lord. Let me pray to him. Let me, let me trust him. Um, and it may not be in the same way. He may not respond in the same way. Next, we need to limit. Limit your accessibility to, for, to information. It's okay not to be reachable at all of the time. How many of y'all have your cell phone on you right now? Probably because you want to be able to be reached. You're not trying to reach out to anybody. Maybe you are right now. Um, but we like to have our cell phone on us because we like to be accessible. I'm going to tell you right now, it's okay to leave your phone. It's okay to leave things behind. It's okay to not be accessed all the time. Now, if somebody asks, hey, can you have your phone on you because I need to get a hold of you, like your parents? Listen to your parents. So I'm like, no, John told me you don't have to access me all the time. That's my decision. Listen to your parents. Um, phones are a good thing in that way, uh, but don't let it control you. Don't let it control you to the point like I'm a slave to being accessed all the time. You have a choice. Um, and that's what's really cool. Again, you have a lot of power to say, I want to be accessible or I don't. And there are times when it's good to be accessible and times when it's not. When you're trying to retreat and to be away and to get deeper into God's Word and be in better connection with the Lord, maybe it's good to put your phone down and say, like, I, I want to be with you so bad, I want to not be reached by other people. There's a lot of times in Scripture when even Jesus would say, I need to step away for a minute. People stop following me. People stop asking me questions. I need to go be with the Father and talk with Him for a minute. That's really important for us to practice that. And, but it's really, really hard because we like being accessible. Because we like to be desired. We like to be known, to be fitting in. It's okay not to be liked by everybody, though. And that's all around. In reality and virtually, it's okay um, that some people just don't like you. Um, so you don't have to create the, the coolest Instagram page um, that makes you look like everybody can like you and wants to be like you. Um, that's really difficult to hear, um, but it's okay. Like, not everybody likes me, and I know not everybody will always like me. Um, I'm just not everybody's cup of tea. Just the presence of your phone in a room increases anxiety for everybody. And that's true even if there's a phone in the room that doesn't belong to anybody. So they did this study, um, which I thought was really fascinating. They uh, took several hundred people and they uh, broke them up into pairs. 
and they bring them, they say, hey, you two are going to go into this room, um, and all you need to do is have a conversation. And in the room are two tables and two sets of chairs, um, and they sit across from each other and have a conversation, kind of like a date. Um, it could, it wasn't set up like a date. And then on the other table next to them was either a cell phone or a notebook. Um, and neither of those things belonged to the people in the room. And when they assessed the conversation and the brain levels uh, when the notebook was in the room, really normal. Conversation went very, very deep, um, very quickly. And they felt a connection, as they would say, they would report back. Like, we felt connected. Um, but when they walked into the room and they studied the people that had the cell phone in the room, again, that didn't have, it, what didn't belong to anybody in that room, they said the conversation was very shallow. It didn't go deep at all. Um, they had a hard time connecting. Uh, and they, their uh, anxiety levels and their stress levels rose in their brain. Um, and the reason behind that, their, their, their hypothesis is that, the reason behind that is um, they are constantly thinking about whose phone is that? Why is it in this room? Um, I'm nervous that somebody has lost their phone. You know, yesterday I talked about you know losing your phone is like losing your child. That's the, what we've equated it to. That's what's going through their mind. Like we got to return this phone to somebody, or they have this fear um, that uh, if that phone's notifications go off, they're thinking, "What about my phone? What am I missing right now?" Um, what if somebody's trying to get a hold of me and I'm missing that? It's making them think about their own phone. Uh, so the, just the presence of that has created this weird anxiety in somebody. Um, so it's really important for us to, to recognize the control um, of that type of distraction um, can put on us. Um, again, you have power. You have power to say um, that that should not control me, um, but yet we let it do it. If it's not there, you are less likely to be tempted. That's what I get from that. If it's just not there, it's so much easier, guys. Um, if you're like, I just want a break, it's okay to just shut off your phone or to just, you know, as we found out, just a phone in the room creates stress. Just leave it in a different room. This is why they tell you don't sleep with your phone. Um, don't have it in your room. Uh, just because it creates stress and anxiety and which creates less sound sleep. Um, so it's really important for us to practice that. Information attained does not equal gain. Here's a very wordy quote. It is critical that developing minds, which is everybody in this room, uh, builds cognitive control abilities that allow them to engage flexibly, flexibly in dynamic and challenging environments. What that means is for those that have growing brains, which is anybody technically under the age of 25, they need to practice limiting themselves. Um, put limitations in front of you, but don't just jump off the bridge and say, I'm going to get rid of my phone forever and then just kick it into the ocean. Um, no, you need to slowly limit yourself. Practice good habits of limiting yourself. Go an hour a day um, without it in a different room. Not just off in your pocket, but just go an hour a day. you got to start small um, and work your way up to what you, you desire it to be. Um, limitations is um, something all your parents have set before you, but in reality, y'all are emerging adults. That's kind of a, a term that they use. You are y your own keeper. Um, if you don't limit yourself, um, ain't nobody ever going to limit you well enough. You are in the most control of yourself. 
Um, and that's important for you if you struggle with something, if you just struggle uh, with being distracted in an unhealthy way, you have to begin to develop the habits of limiting yourself. Nobody is ever going to be able to hold you back. And growing up in a family that has dealt with addiction, um, like hard addiction, uh, there's only so much um, you can do. A lot of times people look to me, what are you going to do about your brother? I'm like, what am I going to do? I can only do so much. It's up to him in the end. Like He's got to make a decision. Um, I can't control him. Um, and that's true for all of us. We have to put up the parameters. There's software um, out there, but you can bypass the software. How many of y'all have access to internet at your school? Probably everybody because this is 2019. How many of you have um, a like software at your school's internet that says you can't go on these websites? How many of y'all can bypass that? Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, I know it's true. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's one of those things that our schools can do a better job of saying, you need to learn to limit yourself rather than us just putting up these parameters for you. Um, In some ways, parameters are good for your age. You're still children. Um, You're still growing and learning. Um, You're still under the authority and house of your your parents. And so you need to abide to those limitations, but know that you need to practice these things your own so that when you are on your own in college or after college, you are strong enough um, to know that you can endure um, the things that are before you. So be rooted in Scripture. Adam and Eve, taking of the fruit, here's how God limited them. He limits their access to the garden when they couldn't limit themselves. In Babel, he scatters the people. They couldn't help but build their own selves up. They couldn't help but build their own image up. Um, And so God says, that's not good. That's not going to work out well. Um, Let me scatter you. Let me make this hard for you. Um, David, the Lord disciplines him. Um, The child who is born to you shall die. And Solomon, but I will give one tribe to your son. He took away a lot from Solomon. So sometimes it it works um, when we can't limit ourselves, we have repercussions for that. Um, Sometimes when we go to the Lord, we say, God, I can't limit myself. I need to be limited. You're going to, things that you don't like are going to happen to you. But that doesn't mean you can't be redeemed. That doesn't mean you can't be restored. That's actually your pathway um, to redemption, um, is going to the Lord and confessing, Lord, I am struggling with this. Help me. And then it's going to get hard for a little while. Because all of a sudden, the life that you've been living is going to change. Learn to confess. Confession leads to limitation. Um, As soon as I tell somebody I'm struggling with something, um, all of a sudden I have somebody else advocating for me to be limited. They can't prevent, but they can keep me accountable. Practice small and build to bigger limitations. Go on retreats. Take a break sometimes. Um, ask the Lord. Ask the Lord for help. All right, direct. Your boredom does not need to be diminished. It needs to be directed. Boredom is inevitable and exponential. As we've seen, um, we're just going to get bored in this life. It's just how it is. Um, But if you continue to be bored and to feed it improperly, it's just going to keep growing and growing and growing until it's out of our control, as we saw yesterday in the spiral of distraction. 
being bored is a sign uh, of your hunger to grow and learn. I'm actually stating that boredom is one way that God has wired us. So that all of a sudden we feel hunger, just like when you feel hunger, when you're hungry for food. You have an opportunity to feed that hunger with two things, something healthy and something not. In the same way, uh, being bored is a sign um, that you're hungry to grow and to do something that's going to help you in that way, and you're hungry to learn. Distraction from boredom is normal and actually encouraged. So it's good. It's good to distract yourself from boredom, but in the right way. We generally distract ourselves inappropriately. We blindly mask our boredom with tasks we do not even enjoy doing, but it fills our stomachs no matter how harmful it is for us. How many of y'all spend uh, more than an hour on YouTube? How many of you have ever done that? How many of y'all have gone down the rabbit, rabbit hole and spent like six hours just clicking around just, just once? I'm not saying you do it all the time. Um, yeah, you know, it happens. And sometimes when you go down the rabbit hole, here's two things that happen. You finally find a piece of gold you've been looking for. Uh, but most of the time you end up like six hours later and you're like super sleep deprived and you're like, how did I end up on this video um, that makes no sense? I started watching you know, this music video and now I'm watching like cats eating food outside. You know, just weird stuff. Um, but for some reason it's entertaining to you. You fall down this, this YouTube rabbit hole and you just keep clicking and clicking and clicking because you have this hunger to grow and to learn. Um, and you're just trying to feed it with whatever's in front of you. Um, and that's a normal thing, but if you learn to practice to direct your boredom towards good things, um, it, this is why they say, again, having your cell phone, having a, anything access to media in your bedroom, um, you're, gonna, you're hungry to learn even right before you go to bed. Um, and so if you have your phone or some sort of media in front of you, you're more likely to just to watch or to click mindlessly and keep yourself awake um, than reading a book, uh, a hand, like a paper book. Uh, this will feed the hunger, and then you realize that this is pretty boring. I think sleep will actually do it. Um, it'll help prevent, uh, but it'll feed the hunger enough to it'll put you to sleep. And sleep is a very, very good thing for our brains, as we saw yesterday. Our brains are plastic, guys. Neuroplasticity is real. Our brain modifies itself at every level. Every time you make a decision, every time you do something, your brain is changing. Um, it's molding. It's conforming. Um, so again, every time you choose to do something or you learn to grow and to um, uh, read a book, play a video game, um, you know, hang out with friends, or just spend all your time on YouTube just clicking away, um, your brain is being trained. Uh, that's, that is why we have such a hard time and that's why there's like four classes this year on cell phones uh, because we've trained our brains to want them. Um, again, you had control over that and that also means you have control to release that. You have your control to build a new habit, which is really, really cool. God made our brains to always grow. Why this is so important for you to hear now is while your brain is still developing um, up through the age of 25, your brain is uh, growing at such a rapid rate, you're so much more susceptible for improper, inappropriate distractions um, and hard limitations that you need to put on yourself. 
So even as you get above the age of 25 and you feel like there's nothing else I can learn, know that till the day you die, your brain is able to adapt and to learn. Um, Because God wired us that way. He always wants us to grow in relationship with Him. There's no like ceiling to that. And that's incredible. Um, So you can always do that. That's why you see like my grandma, she's like 94, still teaches piano. 94. When I'm 94, I hope to do nothing but sit on a rocker and drink sweet tea. Like, that's all I want to do. But she's so hungry to learn and to be with students um, that she is choosing to do that. She is a huge role model for our family um, to say, like, man, I hope I'm doing that. My grandfather, you know, he was working till the day he died as well. Um, in some ways, I'm like, maybe we shouldn't work that much, but, like... Um, I do appreciate that about them. They're always um, willing to to strive for more. Be rooted in God's scripture. God's people struggle to alleviate their their distracted nature with further pursuit of God. Instead, they would often need to be reminded of their waywardness. And that's where you find the prophets in scripture. That's what they did. Um, And if you read through uh, what Samuel said, um, we come to this point that the prophets as reformers seek to call Israel back to the covenant's original meaning and vitality. It's so good to look at the prophets. They're so weird. A lot of them did weird things. Um, But the whole point of what they were trying to do is that they were trying to bring God's people back into focus of what was in store for them. Like, you guys have gone so far away from the point that I'm going to send this weird person who's lived out in the woods or who lives on a farm who's going to come and stand and be naked for three years. That's what happened to Isaiah. He was naked for three years to remind people that they have become so far removed from who God is that they need to be reminded and be returned. And sometimes they still failed. Even after the prophet was like, y'all are doing, you're not doing things right, God's going to put you in exile. He's going to have to discipline you. He's going to have to put you outside of your comfort zone for a little while so that you're reminded of the plan that he had for you but he's gracious he never broke the covenant he was always there he always had that intentional decision to follow um, the plan that he has in store for us to redeem us to restore us back into relationship with him and that's what's so good about God uh, and the gospel Direct your boredom. Find the right food, not just something to fill your belly if it's natural it generally is better coping mechanism Y'all will laugh, but this is real. This is what they found. They've been studying this for decades, um, and this is what they came up with. The best ways to direct your boredom. Go outside. Exercise. Take breaks. Take a nap. Talk to someone. Eat. Laugh. Those are proven ways to alleviate your boredom. It's ridiculous, right? That's so ridiculous. If you have to take a break from something or if you feel like you're spiraling, these are proven ways. Sounds a lot like Sabbath work. All we had to do was read the first chapter of the Bible to know that this is true, right? And then science comes along and says, yep, they're right. It's good for us to take a break every once in a while. God designed us and gave us this routine of work and rest 
um, so that we don't go crazy, so that we don't become distracted. It's good to take a break, guys. It's good to go outside. It's good to go have fun. It's good to take a nap. It's good to eat meals. All these things are good for us. <clears throat> All right, reduce. Anxiety comes with the territory. There's a lot that happens in this life. Stress and anxiety are inevitable. If you can avoid it, do it. Um, Sometimes you can't, and that's okay. But you don't need to put so much on your plate that you just can't handle the load. Um, We're not meant to do all things. You don't need to take all the APs. You don't need to be in all the sports and all the bands. Um, You you don't need to have 12 girlfriends or 12 boyfriends um, by the time you graduate. Uh, it's okay to not do everything. Our anxiety is directly related to perfectionism, needing control of our future, um, and FOMO. It's real. We try to do too much. We are a culture that says, I can do it all. Um, but in reality, we can't, and we need to know that. The Gospel says, no, you can't do it all. That's why I sent my son down to do it all so that you can follow him rather than following yourself because you will fail again and again and again. It's okay not to do everything. God is sovereign. Know that the Lord over all things and that his plan is greater than anything you could scheme up. I love control. I love to come up with the perfect plan of how to accomplish something. Um, Even while I was writing this whole keynote is like, I want it to be perfect, and I want everything. And you've already seen, it's like, I mess up all the time. There's so much content I didn't put up here. But I have to trust that the Lord has a plan with whatever comes out of my mouth, and I pray for that. Here's what, in Hebrews 12, this is right after in Hebrews 11, where they talk about all these people um, in the Old Testament who walked by faith. Every decision that they made, everybody who was abiding and obedient to the Lord, um, didn't do it out of their own will or their own ability, but they trusted God. Um, and that they were saying, your way is better than my way. And this is what follows that. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, so great a, a cloud of witnesses, meaning you know the people that went before us who trusted um, and obeyed the Lord, let us also lay aside every weight anxiety, stress, and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. To reduce your anxiety, you cannot control everything. Be everywhere and do all things. Take the pressure off yourself and rely on and trust the Lord. We'll close with this. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? And of which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, the Solomon we've been looking at, in all his glory and everything that he had, was not displayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, 
which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first. This is what we need to do with all all of this scripture. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So we need to seek first the kingdom of God. And that is something that is so confusing for us to grasp. And that's why we'll take that and we'll look at it tomorrow. What does this mean and how do we accomplish it? And that is what will close out this week for us. So 